2: Thanks for listening to Primetime with Isaac and Souk On Demand, a Service Patriots podcast on Odyssey and 1080 The Fan.
1: Service Patriots is your home for comfort solutions for all your heating and air conditioning needs. Check out the latest special offers for our listeners at ServicePatriots.com slash The Fan.
3: Story time with Joey on 1080 The Fan. All right, Football Friday
2: with our friend Joey Harrington. And man, this man was lamenting his lot in life last week. He was worried he would have to live in a world where the Huskies are the national champions. What a week for you! Not only do they lose, they get pummeled. They lose their coach, and you keep yours. And your lions are in the playoffs. Unbelievable!
3: God, life is good. Uh, to quote, to quote the uh, the great, what's it's, it's Jim Harbaugh and John Harbaugh. What's the dad's name? Jack. 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 That's right. To quote the immortal Jack Harbaugh, <laughs> who's got it better than Nobody. I? Nobody. Nobody. <laughs> I mean, serious. Although I will push back a little bit and say, uh, what, what was the adjective you used? To Throttled to, to Washington. The, the score did not indicate. Yeah, it was close to me. Still it, was 20 to, it was twenty to thirteen. It was twenty to thirteen in the like halfway through the fourth quarter with Washington driving and had that offensive tackle, that right tackle, not gotten the holding penalty on the, you know, the 40 yard ball up the sideline that they finally hit, you know, it took them all game. And then on the next drive, had he not gotten the false start? And then another holding call, like they were, they were on the verge of tying that thing up at 20. And then all of a sudden a couple costly penalties, Michigan capitalizes twice because Washington's defense was just was worn out and, and the score ended up what it was, but that was, um, I'm still trying to figure out, and of course, very rarely is a quarterback going to come out and say, yeah, they beat us. It's, you know, oftentimes, yeah, well, you know, we did, we did it to ourselves. I'm trying to figure out those, I mean, cause Penix missed four or five balls that game that I mean, are, <laughs> I mean, layups for him. I'm trying to figure out. And, and if that was, Michigan doing it to him, or him doing it to himself, or the pressure of the situation. I, I still, I, I've still been kind of mulling that over, and I can't quite come to a conclusion.
1: Conclusion of
3: of like, whether that physical, was physical, mental, of, Michigan involved. Is it more? Was it more Michigan? Was it more Penix? Yeah. Right. Did Penix just miss? Like he, like, we did it to ourselves. Yeah. Did he just miss? Mm. Or did Michigan do something? Because okay, now let, let's acknowledge. I, I'm not sure what happened. You know, m- just repeated hits to the abdomen. Yeah. He was that, that fourth quarter. He was playing through something. Yeah, he the first finish. three. He was well. the
1: first three. He looked fine physically. It wasn't till the
3: end. And they got his ribs late. Yes, right. So was it just the continual like? Here comes like they're, they're coming. They're coming. They're coming. They're coming. And. And he, you know, he, he started seeing ghosts. Yeah. Was it a confusion? Um, you know, something that, because it didn't look like he was confused. It didn't look like, like they were the, the, God, the one they missed in the first quarter where Dunsay they kept it up the seam and yeah. Penix wanted him to come. Like it almost looked like, I don't know. I don't know. I I keep coming back to that. Did Penix and Washington just miss? Or did what? Or did Michigan rush them? Or maybe it's just a maybe. Maybe it's not a clean answer. Maybe it's a combination of both. Credit Michigan for doing.
2: it. Well, did you ever? I mean, you're a great guy to ask this question. I mean, did you ever ever have a game like that where you weren't necessarily getting hit every play, but you were just sped up
3: and that? The ghosts? Yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. So I
2: mean, I I mean that's clearly what happened. I mean, Michael Penix is too good to just be that off, don't you think? I mean, I think you got to give all the credit to Michigan. Uh, But I see what you're saying. I mean, it seemed like, Suka and I were talking about this this week, it seemed like the Michigan DBs were confused a lot. There were plays to be made, but at the same time, if Penix is, like you say, seeing ghosts or just being
3: rushed, that's how you miss. But see, there's the point. Like, Michigan's DBs, I agree, were confused. So part of me says it's not Michigan doing that. It's Penix seeing ghosts and missing that ball. I mean, he, he had a corner route against cover two. The guy was sitting, sitting down in the hole. And I'm I'm talking about like, this is, this is Harry high school stuff that you throw that ball. And he threw it five feet over his head. There was something that, and and maybe it was the front seven, maybe it was that pass rush, pass rush that got to him. Um, But something clear, whether it was the pass rush whether it was the gravity of the moment, whether it was something clearly got to
1: him. Yeah, it's funny because stats are very misleading, and I forget who it was, but one of the defensive coordinator—I forget who it was—earlier this year was was talking. It was an NFL guy, but he said sacks are the most worthless stats in all of football. When we look at sacks, like oh, the guy's got twelve sacks. How many of those are impactful? Oh, we sacked him, you know, two times. Cool. I'd rather, his whole point was, I'd rather have 17 pressures and four knockdowns than I would five sacks, if that's, that's exactly. all you get. And the interesting part that Michigan only sacked him once, but Texas never sacked him. Statistically, though, and, and again, this can be a bit misleading, but Texas actually pressured him more than Michigan did. And, you know, it's, it's, it's one of those that when I watched the Texas game, Penix had pressure up the middle all the time, yeah. and, and he handled wow. it like an absolute rock star. I mean, just, he couldn't have handled it any better. And then when I watch him against Michigan, and again, I don't know what the difference is. You'd have to talk to Michael Penix or, or really sit down and try to watch the all 22. But when the pressure came up the middle against Michigan, his, he, he didn't, he didn't sidestep. He started trying to go backwards and he was throwing off his back foot. And it just Which is
3: exactly takes me back to the point. Like maybe it was just Penix missing maybe. Like that, that, that exact, like that is literally the circle that I keep going in yeah. and I guess at this point, though, like, hey, <laughs> what's done is done, yeah. right? Michigan won, Washington lost. Yeah. Um, we have a coach, and apparently yeah. Washington <laughs> was doesn't. So, was say, that, you know this, what?
2: Yeah, we're talking about this game. That seems like ages ago yeah. with the week we've yeah, had. Exactly. I, I was talking to my yeah. buddy
1: who's a diehard you know, Husky fan, and he was down at the game, and I was just talking to him today, and he was he, he was basically saying, I've never felt – as a Husky fan, I've never felt so high to so low in such a short period of time. I and mean, it's like, I mean, you really thought that you going into that game that they had a chance. I think most people thought that they knew that Michigan was probably the overall better team, but they felt like they had a chance. And then there was this notion of, OK, well, you know, we have DeBoer, and, you know, it's, you know, a new era sort of thing. And then the rug gets pulled out from underneath you. I mean, it's this is this is about as high and low as you can get as a program.
3: Well, I wasn't I wasn't blowing smoke last week when I said that I thought that that Michigan would win, or excuse me, that, that Washington would win. I, I mean, watching the way that Pennix dealt with Texas and dealt with the pressure and those wide receivers, I mean, I, I genuinely thought they would. And then, like somebody brought this to my attention, Washington is losing. Their starting quarterback, their starting tailback, their top three wide receivers and arguably the best wide receiver in college football, their top two tight ends and two offensive, two of their five starting offensive lines. Yeah. Like that is, that's a gut punch. Like, fine, your coach leaves. Okay. But, oh, great. We can just plug in a new coach with this, you know, with this veteran group of offensive. Oh, no. Like literally they are, they are white. They
2: are wiped out. Yeah, they lost two corners today to the transfer portal, too. So, yeah, I mean, they were going to have to reset anyway, even with the bore, But This I, is a whole bunch of re- – I mean, it's a different reset when yeah. you don't know who's going to be your guy. and It's kind know. of the new age of college football, though. It's yeah. just this is what happens. The super highs where you can get better fast, and then the yep.
1: lows where everybody bolts. The rise and fall of college football programs, I think, is going to be going forward. It, it's going to be more like the NFL in that we have about a 50% turnover every year in – uh, in playoff teams and you can rebuild a team in two years and in two years it can completely fall apart. I, I think that's coming to college. Well, watch Alabama. I mean, it, it, if Alabama gets gutted by the transfer portal and you know, DeBoer comes in there and, and you're playing in that schedule now, I mean, it's, it,
3: and, and, and so here's the, what was the, what was the constant in all of uh, in Alabama's run? What was the constant in all of it? Nick Saban. Exactly. What has been the constant in George's run? Kirby Smart. Right. Yep. I truly believe and you know this this can take us into the the Dan Lanning in this age like you said of of transfer portals, of coaches leaving, of NIL, of if you have a consistent guy at the at the top. Yeah, you're going to lose you're going to lose guys to the transfer portal every year but if you can establish a culture, if you can establish a winning culture, a way of doing things led by somebody who the players and the community and the university believe in, like that is going to be the most important thing. Well, aside from, you know, physical talent, but like, that's going to be the most important thing in this whole mess of college football, which is why like, like that's, that's the thing for, for so many of us. It was like when, when, Willie had a choice, he chose Florida State. When Mario had a choice, he chose Miami. When Dan had a choice, he chose us, right? What does that say to, what does that say to his players? What does that say to all the players around the country who are thinking of leaving, right? Oh, I don't like this. You know, so the coach hates me. He does you know, he's not going to play me. Where do I want I want to go to Oregon. Like that type of, I don't know. And look, Dan may or may not have had an offer. Like that's the thing I keep hearing too. Well, he wasn't actually offered the job. Well, I know for a fact that he was contacted about interest in the job, right? You know, whether or not he was offered a a six-year, you know, $60 million contract is irrelevant. The fact that somebody reached out and said, do you have interest In the Alabama job. And he said, no, I like where I am right now. And I believe in the place that I am right now. Like that speaks volumes. That little video
1: they put out, um, one, it was really well done. But uh, two things that they did there. One, they took what was 24 hours of holy hell, another catastrophe, and he turned it into a recruiting pitch with the one little line in that video, and I thought it was brilliant whoever put it in there. (laughs) I loved it. It I loved it. It was brilliant, and it was, uh, you know, are are you unsure of of your coach? Are you unsure of your coach staying or leaving? Come play here, because I'm not going anywhere. In a world of, I don't have any stability in the world of college football, they just put up a big billboard across the country and said, we have stability, come play here. That is a brilliant move to take what could be yeah, Coach waffling, and you don't know how long he's going to be here to planting your flag and saying, "You come here, you know what you're going to get." I thought it was a brilliant move.
3: I, I could not agree more. I, I, and the thing too, like as as you know, you get past the I do not say euphoria, but you get past like the excitement of, and almost kind of like a relief, like oh my god, like is it happening? Is it seriously happening again? <laughs> like but, and then you come to the, the realization, like, not only is it not happening again, but our coach turned down Alabama or said, no, to, you know, fine. We won't say he turned down because um, there was, you know, let's, let's assume there was no offer. He still said, no, thanks to Alabama. I would rather be at Oregon. That. Like, did you ever think in your lifetime, like 20 years ago, that you would be sitting here and, and you know, if, if, if Alabama offered Rich Brooks a contract, like, I, I, I don't know. Like, I just can't get over that. Like, it's he crazy. said no to Alabama because yeah. he wanted to be to Oregon. Well, and that is thing, so you, fantastic.
2: It It is one thing that's, um, I, it seems to be a, a common thread in all of this Alabama talk is Jimmy Sexton. Oh, yeah. You know, he, he's the power agent who represented Nick Saban. And it's interesting to me that all of his clients <laughs> were the ones on the Alabama list. <laughs> People got paid! <laughs> and Dan Lanning is a Jimmy Sexton guy. So yeah. y- you know that... And why wouldn't they want Dan Lanning? I mean, yeah. a young, energetic guy building a, a, a something great at Oregon, at least it seems. Um, <clears throat> there's a lot to like about him. So you know he was at least, like you said, at least... Uh, approached w- with the whole Jimmy yeah. Sexton connection. And the other thing, too, this says is Oregon, the program has come a long way. They're taking good care of him behind the scenes.
1: Yeah, there's some talk of maybe some Nike stock being involved. And,
2: you know, uh, they're like, taking good care of him. Stick around and, and hey, it's
3: more than just a $20 million buyout. That's what yeah. you got to do. I'm sure I'm sure he's got a dry fit or two. You know, he's <laughs> yeah. probably got like a, yeah. you know... Maybe some shoes. A, yeah. a pair of sneakers, some Cortez or something that they gave him. Like, hey, you know, thanks so much. Like, I, I really appreciate
2: it. But the guy's already almost achieved legendary status at Oregon. And he's only been there for two years. And like, he's won nothing. People love him. <laughs> I, I am about I, to say that. I, I
3: totally get like, it. And he, and he actually hasn't, he hasn't won a conference championship oh, no. and he hasn't beat Washington. Like that is, that's really, um, th- and I think that says something like the talk with Mario was always like, well, oh, he's got to win, you know, he, he got to win a championship. He got to win a championship. There's something about, and, and, and this is why, like, there's something about Dan's personality. There's something about his approachability. There's something about his, um, you just believe him. You believe him when he talks, right? You, you believe in him. Like there, there isn't very rarely, you know, outside of the, outside of the, you know, I want to say the best conferences after games, do you get, or I should say you get a lot less coach speak with Dan Lanning than you do with some of the other guys, right? You get genuine, like, here's what I feel. And I'm going to share it with you. And not only am I going to share it, but when the time comes, I'm going to back it up like that. That's like, and so I think he's given, he you said he's earned this legendary status. Yeah. He, he hasn't won a conference championship yet but he's connected with the community and he's connected with the players and he's connected with the alumni in a way that, that I I can't think of a coach. I mean, I I, I honestly, like Chip didn't obviously Willie didn't Mario, you know, Helfridge did, but only because, you know, so many of us played when he was a GA there, like, but still like, he's connected to this community in a way that no other coach has. And that, that is something that's, that's really special.
2: This is our friend, Joey Harrington, courtesy of mods PDX. When we get back, let's keep talking about this topic. I I have a question about Dan Lanning moving forward. That was asked on the show yesterday. It's a good question about expectations for him. And if you're just tuning in, Kalen DeBoer is headed to Alabama. So we'll have more with Joey Harrington coming up next on the fan. All right, we're back with Joey Harrington. You were talking about Dan Lanning connecting. And, you know, I, I, I've got two questions here that came up yesterday on the show that I want to pitch to you. The first one is somebody, a friend of mine asked me. He said, you know, because I was talking about Lanning already kind of feeling like a legend at Oregon, and he hasn't won anything. Where – how do you – take Lanning out of it because he's not there yet. But the Bilates, the Chips, uh, Rich Brooks, I mean, Halfridge played for national championship – how do you power rank the past Oregon coaches in terms of legendary status?
3: Ooh, I mean, if we're if we're going off like legendary status, I take that to mean some sort of like something the most. above, like you know, I won't use the phrase godlike, but like that, you know, yeah. that aura, that you know, and and. The way that Chip revolutionized football, really, like he, he was—he changed the game of football uh, in a way that, like, you know, you—you'd be hard-pressed to find a list of, you know, five to ten other guys that have done to the game what Chip did. And the fact that he did it at Oregon, um, but Belotti found him. I know, I know, I know, but I think that. I think you use the term legendary and so I think that that guides me to Chip. Um you know, I I think that, you know, if we're using words like foundational and if we're using words like um you know, the backbone, like that that is Billotti. Yeah, okay.
2: Um, I got you. Okay, so who I, is I, the most important?
3: Oh, man. Now you combine the two. Um, (laughs) Exactly. Blotty. It's probably Blotty, right? I think it is. I think Blotty, you know, because a lot, you know, a lot of people were, I don't say there's, there's recency bias, right? But, but, uh, you know, people, oh, well, you know, you guys started these, you know, back in the, there, there's there's the young, super young generation that says, oh yeah, well things started with Chip and and well, actually no, that they, they didn't. And then there's the middle generation that's like, oh, so you think started with you guys in two thousand two thousand one? It's like actually no, they, they didn't. Things started like this whole thing started with Musgrave and Bellotti. You know, Rich Brooks was the head coach, but Bilotti was the coordinator. Like, Bilotti got that offense going. Like, this was a 1988, 89 um, beginning. And so, if you're going to say the most important, that call it, you know, when, when did Musgrave come? 86, 87. So we'll call it a 15 year stretch that Bilotti built the foundation of what this turned into. You know, starting with finding the guy from Grand Junction, Colorado. You know, and going to the first bowl game, and then you know, taking the and then going to the Rose Bowl, and then taking over head coach, and going back to the Cotton Bowl, and then turning it into our recruiting class, which became, you know, back to back Pac-10 championships and you know BCS, and then that turned into the controversy of not being included, which gained us more visibility And the billboard. Like he literally like built this thing, and and then he found Chip, and then he said, Chip, it's yours now. Write. Yeah. Right, so I think I think that at least in my opinion, if you're going to say who is the most important to what it is, right? You know, to, to it, it's it's got to be Bellati.
2: Yeah, I think so too. Now that leads to the next question, which is how does Lanning crack this? You know, I mean, he people already love him. He's already stiff-armed Alabama, which probably means he'll be here a while. I mean, I mean, yeah. short of the Georgia job. I mean, exactly.
3: What's like that? Who's gonna? Who, what other job is there going to be that that comes along where it's like, yeah, cool, I'm going to bounce for a. Yeah, quick. I think the
2: Georgia job would maybe scare some people, but I also think that would have to open at the exact right time where he's unhappy or they're they're peeing in his pot about his contract or something's going on. Yeah, where, there's no
1: singular job that can come yeah, up that
2: in a vacuum is better leaving. than
1: the Alabama job. If he would ever leave, right. you're right, it would just be a confluence of 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 time and job. But there is not
2: a better there's not a better job in America than Alabama. So he'll be here a while. It seems that's the best part about all of this is that it felt like it was happening again. And 24 hours later, like, Oh my God, not only is he staying, this is our guy for a long time. Everybody's got confidence in him. But my, the next question becomes, what does he need to do moving forward? I mean, if he doesn't, if he doesn't get over the hump and he has not each of the last two years, how, how many more years of grace does he get, if that keeps happening, or, or or maybe even more general, what are his expectations? Is it title or bust moving forward for Dan Lanning? Define hump. Well, I think. I think the, the I think playing for a the, title. Uh, yeah, playing at least. At least for get a your get the opportunity. I mean, Chip played for a title. Helfrich played for a title. Yeah. I mean, I hate to say, it. I think that's the sp- the standard. Blatty should have played I mean, for a title.
3: I, for, for, for sure. I mean, you you said hump though, and I immediately thought, well, he's got to be Washington. Yeah, well, right. that. And beating Washington would have, you know, therefore it it would have been if this, then you know, if you yeah. beat Washington, then you're playing for a tie. Um. Yeah, I mean, I I don't, but I don't think expectations have been any different, right? I, I don't think those are new expectations. You know, I, I think that's that's the expectation every every year now.
0: perfect co-worker of yours. Celebrate and save at Ashley's anniversary sale with hot buys your choice of colors starting at just $3.99. Ashley sleep mattresses starting at $2.50. Plus receive a free adjustable base with select mattress purchases and shop top mattress brands like Stearns and Foster, Tempur-Pedic, Purple and Beauty rest Black with 60 month special financing only at Ashley. Subject to credit approval, no minimum purchase required. Minimum monthly payment, down payment, tax and delivery may be required. See
4: Now get 0% APR or up to $1,500 bonus cash on the Hyundai Tucson. Now, during the Hyundai Getaway Sales Event. Offers end soon. Call 562-314-4603 for details.
3: And I don't think, I don't know. I don't think anything has changed. I can't envision with with the, and, and, and maybe things will be different in the Big Ten. Right? I can't envision a scenario with this new energy of the college football playoff that Oregon is not in the mix over the next you know however many years. Now do they need to win a, a big ten championship? I don't know. Do they need to, you know what if they get into the playoff and lose in the first round four straight years? like I, I don't know. But but I can't imagine a scenario right now, you know, if it was, if it was the old setup, you know, four teams, you got to win a conference championship to get into, to get into that playoff. Then then I'd say, yeah, you, you got to win that conference championship. I don't know what that's going to look like when the when the you know when the tournament expands to 12 yeah it doesn't really matter the have, route you know it just I, exactly get into the exactly. so it's like I, I don't know what the what the what the marker is you know you can say well mario won a conference champion. mario won one mario won two i think one of them didn't really count because it was in covid yeah yeah um, rose bowl though but yeah it, exactly like you have something tangible because it produced a rose bowl Because, right, like that, that, that something, that that carrot, therefore, Purdue, you know, you win the conference, therefore you get into the, you know, you beat Washington this year, you get into the playoff. I can't imagine a scenario where Oregon doesn't get into the playoff over the next few years. I think maybe, like, I I don't know. So it's tough for me to answer that without seeing how the college football landscape is going to change with this expansion.
2: Yeah, what I'm getting at, though, is like you go to Alabama you're expected to win championships. I mean, Kalen DeBoer is not going to get time to work through some kinks. At Oregon, even though the program has gotten to a place where it kept its coach over Alabama, you still have this, hey, we're just we're happy to have you, keep building it and we're you know, he doesn't in other words Dan Lanning doesn't necessarily have to win a title.
3: They love him. Well, but do you think but do you think and and, and maybe I'm just off on this. Do you think if Alabama goes to the playoff you to the next you know, five of the next six seasons, but doesn't win a championship. Do you think they'd fire Kaelin Boy? No, I don't
2: think they'd fire him, but I think there would be heat. <laughs> well, look at—I look no
1: further than Ryan Day. Ryan Day stepped in, played for a national title, was a field goal away from beating Georgia two years ago, thumped Michigan year after year, and he's had two years now where they just—they've been one game away. And by the way, they were driving to beat Michigan this time, and they had the interception. And now, dude, half that fan base wants Ryan Day gone. And yes, I do think next year, Ryan Day, if he doesn't make the playoff, I do think Ryan Day can be fired. So I don't know if you make the playoff every year if you get fired, but dude, there's different expectations. They fired Ed Ogeron's ass two years after winning the national title. Gene Chizik was fired two or three years after winning the national title. It it doesn't take long down there in SEC Paul Feinbaum world for for you to go from the the penthouse to get your ass out of town.
3: Well, in the immortal words of Ron Burgundy, as I seem to reference quite often on this show, that's just dumb. <laughs> no, that wasn't Ron Burgundy. That was Ricky Bobby. That's, that's just, just dumb. dumb. <laughs> Well, it
1: happens quickly down there. And I do think that is, DeBoer's, yeah, he's, stepping he's a it.
2: great coach, but man, he doesn't, I mean, this is going to be tough. He, he has but won at every But here's,
3: but, okay, but but here's the different. thing though, in, 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 Sook, in both of those situations, whether it's or- Orgeron and Shizik, they went from championship to not in the picture.
2: Yeah. Correct. Yes.
3: Right. They went from, cha- they went from championship to six and five. My point is if Kalen DeBoer has them in the playoffs. Yeah. Like, that's not, if Ryan Day has Ohio State in the playoffs, like, that's what saved Jim Harbaugh's job. Jim Harbaugh was sitting there, and they said, I, you can't beat Ohio State, you can't beat Ohio State, we're going to fire you. And he says, hold on, give me a pay cut, and give me another year, I can do this. Yeah. And then he put him in the, play, in the playoffs. Yes. Yes. That playoff yeah. is the playoff. Ryan. That playoff berth was what playoffs convinced or, or gave Harbaugh extra life. And they went to the playoff again. And it's like, hell yeah, this guy's awesome. And then they won. it. Like, that's the thing. Like, that's my point is like, with the expansion of this playoff, I almost feel like that's the magic. Hey, you we'll, you're we'll going the playoff every single year. I don't, I what, don't know because be? with, the, with the new
1: expansion, we don't know anymore what the old expectation was. If, if you make the final four, no one can bitch. You can't bitch about being in the final four same thing in college basketball but we know that at some places let's take kansas basketball if bill self makes it to the big six or makes it to the sweet 16 every year and that's all he does that ain't good enough for kansas it's not good enough for north carolina so what we don't know is how fan bases and how ad's are going to view about you being the 10th or 11th team in the playoff because that means you have two losses that means you didn't win a conference title and is that good enough and, and, and we may not know for a couple years, but I have a just a I have an idea that in four or five years for programs like Washington or a, I, I think maybe even a, a Oregon, I think for those programs making the playoff, you're safe as kittens. You keep getting extensions. I'm not certain that Bama at Ohio State at LSU, I'm not certain about going 10 and two, being the 11th or 12th team in getting bounced in the first round two Or three years in a row, I am not certain that that is going to be good enough, and I and, and there's only one way to know we'll find out. But I just
2: something tells me that's not going to be. I have a name for you, yeah, Frank Solich. <laughs> exactly, yeah, dude, Rob. he he did good, he did great. Uh, Rob. taking no, I'm serious, taking over for uh, no. Tom Osborne, he did great. No, and they... I'm,
3: I'm saying, I'm saying, Rob, he's right, yeah. I hate to admit it, but yeah. I think he's right, yeah. and How it's, long it's this, stupid of those fan bases, that, that is dumb. But like that's, that's the, that's like, because I, I, I'm, I'm still thinking of the playoffs. Like you're right. It's the final four. Yeah, Like that's, yeah. that, that is what the playoff birth is in the existing format of college college football. But you're right. Like you're essentially expanding it to, you know, it's not 16 and 12, but yeah. like to the sweet 16. <clears throat> yeah. And that's, that's different. Yeah. Yeah. Dang it. You're right. Wow.
0: Kaylen DeBoer
2: will be at Alabama for how long? Fast answer. Go. Less than five years. I'm serious. Less than five years, and it's not because he's not a good coach. He's a great coach. Four four years. Yeah. Okay. Three years.
1: Same. I would agree. If if you said it
2: if you said it at four and a half, get that money. And it sucks. I would take the under. Yeah. All right. Um, Gosh, your Lions, the playoffs. We didn't even get to talk about any of it. Yeah. It's been that kind of week. We didn't even
3: talk about Belichick.
2: It's unbelievable.
3: Bella who? Yeah, right. Yeah,
2: who's that guy. Yesterday's news.
3: Literally. Hey, just like I remind my boys, every night before I go to sleep, don't forget your dad beat Tom Brady. Now <laughs> I'm going to say don't forget your dad beat Bill Belichick. That's right. Yes.
2: All right. We'll mm-hmm. leave it there. That
3: one time, we'll leave it there. <laughs> Thank you. Talk to you next week. All right.
2: All right, Joe Harrington, courtesy of MODS, PDX. The future of building is here. Okay, so Nick Saban. This is going to be a little sportsy, but also a little clubby to kick off the club. Okay, Nick Saban had a, has a statue outside of Alabama's uh, field, Bryant Denny Field. I think it is. I have a list of the top eleven strangest things that were placed <laughs> at the feet of that statue upon the death of Nick Saban. It got cream pied <laughs>
0: Oh, no, oh, no. (laughs)